Hi, I'm Simon Thiexton and welcome to the Cooperage at our brewery here in Massam as we celebrate the Thiexton's Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year. This year's long list contains giants of the genre, best-selling hits and an exciting range of thrilling stories set around the world, proving the remarkable talent and offer in the world of crime fiction. The shortlist is already too close to call, so we encourage everyone to get voting. A hearty toast of Old Peculiar to all our long-listed authors for this coveted award and we look forward to what we know will be a fiercely fought competition. In the meantime, I'm going to have a glass of Old Peculiar because they say a glass of Old Peculiar and a crime novel go very well together. And I'll tell you why when you come to Harrogate for our festival in July. Cheers. I'm Joe Haddow and this is our series of interviews with the Thiexton's Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year Award Long Listees, produced and curated by Harrogate International Festivals in partnership with title sponsor Thiexton Old Peculiar. And today I'm joined by Doug Johnston. Hello, welcome to you. Hey Joe, how are you doing? Lovely to see you, mate. I'm well, I'm very well. Um, picked up the sticks recently? <laughs> yeah, always. I'm not, my donkey's just over here. Oh, is it? Oh, lovely. Yeah, Two guitars and a drum kit in my office, which is very distracting. It's probably better, though, isn't it, than, you know, a lot of writers say, I have to turn the internet off so that I, when I'm writing, so that, you know, I don't get distracted by social media. I think being distracted by a drum kit or some guitars is all right. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's still creative, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Still making art. I think yeah. it's all right. <laughs> um, congratulations on on being long listed. How did it feel to hear you've been nominated? Oh, great, amazing! It's uh, so exciting. I mean, it's obviously such a prestigious prize. Uh, it's my second time on the long list uh, with a book for the same series, so it's kind of good to know that that like readers uh, are still engaging with the the scalp women with these stories that I'm making up. Uh, and we're talking about. Uh, Black Hearts, that's the fourth book in the Scales series. Now, there'll be some people watching who are thinking, Scales? What was he on about? Perhaps you could just introduce us to the Scales for anyone who hasn't read this series yet. Yeah, so Black Hearts is the fourth book in the series uh, about uh, um, a family called the Scales who live in Edinburgh, and it's three generations of women from the same family who have to run uh, a funeral directors and a private investigators. Uh, when the, in the, first, the start of the first book, the patriarch of the family dies, so... Uh, we're left with the three women, Dorothy, who's the kind of matriarch, Jenny, her daughter, who's in her mid-40s, and Hannah, who's Jenny's daughter, who's in her early 20s. And so this is their ongoing escapades um, as they as they bury the dead, deal with grief, and have uh, mysteries to solve, and their own grief and their own worries to think about at the same time. So can you also set up the story of this novel then, Black Hearts, and tell us what they're up to? Yeah, so Black Hearts starts with a fist fight at an open grave, <laughs> which... Um, which is great. I thought <clears throat> I thought I'd made that up from scratch. That never happens. But then there was a news story recently saying that a lot um, police Scotland get called out hundreds of times to funeral <laughs> weeks. Right. <laughs> so it's no real surprise. So that starts a storyline um, which is looking at a possible fake death or suicide, as they call it. Um, I always kind of part of these scale speeches that I I throw lots of there's lots of mysteries. Yeah. So it's not just one kind of plot line. So there's several kind of interconnected things. There's like a stalker, maybe, plot line. There's a body washes up in Wardy Bay, which is in the north of Edinburgh, which is linked to something Jenny's been doing. And there's an elderly Japanese gentleman who um, calls Dorothy and says that he thinks he's being abused by the ghost of his dead wife. So um, 
So it, they're kind of, there are, they're interlinking. And one of the things that is this book is really obviously about is it's about grief, about how the different ways that people cope with grief. It's not one, it's not one size fits all. It's not like a linear progression. So all the storylines have that kind of flowing through them that it's people dealing with grief in different, usually quite unusual ways. You said in the, in the past that sometimes you don't really know what a book is about until you've finished writing it and that perhaps it's even made its way into the hands of some readers. Was that the case for this one as well? Yeah, I think that is the case for a lot of writers. I hope it is. It? It's not just me. <laughs> but I think, I mean, that idea of starting with themes and sort of is kind of weird to me. You just end up writing about things that interest you, things that you think are going to be interesting to a reader. And then um, in the end, actually, it's usually in the sort of in, in the redrafting and editing process, like second yeah. or fourth draft, this things start to jump out. Ah, you're like, well, that, that actually links a little bit with this and that makes more sense with this. At least, at least that's how I work anyway. So I'm kind of, I'm not incredibly self-aware of what I'm doing in the first draft, but I think that's a good thing because you're discovering the story along the way at the same time as the readers, which is, which is hopefully to the benefit of what's driving the story forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. There's a lot of Scottish crime fiction on this long list, which is brilliant, and a lot of it is Glasgow-based. Um, I've asked most of the Glaswegian authors uh, or the people who set their books in Glasgow, you know, what it is about that city that sort of is perfect for crime fiction. What do you love about Edinburgh? Well, it's really, that's a really interesting question. I've written a lot of books in Edinburgh, and the Skelf series was a deliberate attempt. One of the things going on with this series is it's a kind of love letter to Edinburgh, but it's also deliberately I've always written about the Edinburgh that isn't, because it's such a tourist city, right? Yeah. You know, it's an incredible tourist destination. Uh, and I don't think I've ever placed a scene on Princess Street or or the Royal Mile, right? Anywhere, because I'm just not interested in that bit because that, for me, feels like it's for tourists. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in the other parts of the city. I mean, Edinburgh's got an incredible history, and because it's a small city, and like the rich and the poor live absolutely cheek by jowl. Like it's, you know, five minutes from the poorest, you know, the poorest suburbs of Edinburgh to like Morningside, the richest part of town. Yeah. I find that incredibly interesting that people kind of have their own, everyone has their own version of a city. And this, this, this is really the version of the, of Edinburgh for the Skelfs, which is great because they're funeral directors and, and private investigators. So they get to see all of the city. They get in. I mean, people die everywhere, right, Joe? So, yeah. <laughs> so they're getting they're getting jobs, you know, all over the city in the parts, you know, in the parts that normal people don't read about. And I'm always really fascinated in in kind of shining a light on the ordinary people and how they live in a city like Edinburgh. Mm. All human life is here. Yeah, they say. Um, and all human life is in Harrogate in July. Usually, um, what is it about the festival that you love so much, and why do you keep coming back? Oh, it's just like, it's a real, I mean, it, there's a couple of things. It's a real sort of party atmosphere. I mean, it was really bad during COVID and lockdown, you know, when it wasn't on or when oh, it, was, it was, it was kind of, it felt shocking, like it's shocking. It's terrible. In the calendar. And then when it sort of came back, you know, a little bit first year and it was like, oh my God, this is, it felt weird because everyone was obviously, you know, nervous about going out, but it was still such a relief. And it's just a huge, I mean, for me as a writer, there's two things. One is. You just get to meet all your writer mates because everyone's there. It's like a real focus for uh, the crime writing community in the UK. But also, you get to meet the readers because it's absolutely a, an informal situation that everyone's just sitting out in the grass or whatever, you know, uh, and just chatting, you know, and it's not really, I mean, obviously it is about the events. The festival itself is brilliantly programmed, but it's about the stuff in between. 
like it's about the, the happen it's about the chance meetings that you have you know outside the front door or late at night at the bar or whatever it is that stuff with readers as well as writers i think is absolutely invaluable it makes it it's, it's such an amazing experience you're so right and so perfectly put, Doug. Um, and very much looking forward to seeing you there across the lawn at some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you're watching and you like the sound of Doug's book and indeed the series, well, you can purchase it and them right now from our friends at Waterstones. And once you've read this one, you can vote for it to be on the shortlist if you so wish. All you have to do is visit harrogatefeakstoncrimeaward.com before the 18th of May to cast your vote. Always a pleasure, Doug, and um, I very much hope to see you and share a pint of Theakston's in a couple of months' time. Yeah, see you there, Joe. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers.